ebbs and flows as esoteric Bible love of wisdom. I got three other great co-hosts. We got Nomad from the Nomad podcast. Also, the Morgan B. We can also catch on the 88, which is another show that her and I do together about constellations. And also Joshua the Branch, where you can find him on Weaving Spiders and other such things. Uh, Also, Nomad is the one that is doing the music for the intro and the outro. So props up to Nomad. You can find more of Nomad's work at www.nomad.art. So check out his, he's also on Spotify too. So go check out his website and check out his Spotify for more of his songs if you like. And also uh, these were up on Patreon and Spotify. We're already 15 episodes deep, uh, but I'm bringing it to the RFTA feed and I'm going to start releasing one episode a day starting now for the next 15, 16 days. And then we'll be all caught up because we would like to take questions, do some Q and A's, do some live shows, live Q and A's. Uh, also, you know, when we have guests on, if you want to give us some questions, so, um, Tell us what you think. Uh, Send us messages. Ask us questions. We love all that. And I hope you all enjoy it. Have a good one. I guess you ain't from around here. Yeah. I guess you ain't from around here. Yeah. Look at what we did in the past year. Yeah. A lot of green like a pasture. A lot of busted like a pastor Yeah, enjoy it while I'm still here I've been known to up and disappear like the rapture No mad raps in the cheap shore I'm just shopping in my Sears I ain't no soothsayer Just a truth seeker, blue tweaker Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker Might just make a meal while I'm getting meeker Do I sound clear? Can you hear the soothing timbre in your ear? Look at what we did in the past year Yeah, look at what Hello, everybody I am Danu Naki Dan and I'm here today with Nomad from the Nomad Podcast and Joshua the Branch. Uh, and we're going to be going through the book of Genesis and breaking that down and kind of making a series out of it. We're not going to rush it too much. So we're going to be exploring the concepts from the Bible, talking about them. Uh, and from the people here on the panel, we're going to have kind of different takes on it uh some probably are going to be pretty similar uh but it's going to be pretty interesting uh nomad is i believe christian or what uh what would you call what would you say i would yeah i would call myself a follower of christ because that's really what it boils down to me for is i think that jesus to me has been the best example of how to not only live a full fulfilling life, but also how to treat others. Uh, and so for me, I think that's where it lies. I think, you know, the term Christianity and sort of the clout of Christ has been misused and um, used to abuse and take advantage of. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you gave me that opportunity to clarify. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, Joshua, what do you 
claim any type of denomination or are you also just follower believer uh well technically like if i had to define it i i suppose it would fall under the heading of messianic jew because i um i too follow christ but uh since he was also an observer of the torah i too have taken an interest in that and been learning a lot about it and i must say that uh just observing saturday as the sabbath and things like that have invited a lot of blessings into my life and it's really helped me form a better understanding of the word uh particularly with regard to genesis and exodus uh, leviticus numbers and deuteronomy for instance because those were actually given to the people directly from god so i really have an appreciation for these first five books especially but then also the 613 commandments that were given mm. i mean christ kept all those and i think that's one of the miracles that isn't talked about as much is that oh. not only did he do blood in the wine and resurrect lazarus and you know things like that but he he was able to keep all 613 commandments plus the seven that were for the levite priests so there's 620 total and he was able to keep those and not break them until the day he died at age 33 on the cross and as the passover lamb which was part of the 613 commandments as well like the passover lamb feast hmm. and of course being on the tree and taken down from the tree he was the first fruits so you know christ you're right he was the embodiment of the word because he also fulfilled these in a play acting sort of way too and uh, to me that's and that was like the whole point that he was kind of trying to prove i think <laughs> it almost adds an element of comedy to it because uh still today we see the pridefulness that they had in rejecting him the chief cornerstone um so yeah those yeah, are great man, points praise god and his son which you know i don't know if we'll get into it in the show so i'll just mention it in brief that you know i also began to try and understand god's name even though it may be inevitable he does reveal himself in some ways um like to abraham isaac and jacob it's always like a different name which is like a characteristic or aspect but but uh yud hey vav hey y-h-w-h uh, i've come to really appreciate that and how if you just add the shin to that it, you get salvation which is yashua and that was christ's real name you know we call him jesus christ but that's really the greek interpretation and whereas the hebrew is yashua mm -hmm. god saves so i think that that is what really made it powerful and impact for me was realizing that the two judaism and christianity really belong together um but it's interesting that we've kind of divided them that's beautiful which is funny to me because you know if the gospel is the milk right and the torah is the meat it's actually kosher to not um for them to stay apart <laughs> you're not supposed to mix milk and meat and yet that's the key <laughs> to really putting it all together you know i think there's one verse just to uh, follow up on that that kind of ties this all together and i think what jesus said when um the religious people were always trying to test him uh, the one specific example that comes to mind was i believe he healed somebody on the sabbath and they were trying to say that he shouldn't have done that and he said that the law was made for man not the man for the law right or the sabbath he might have been specific about 
But I think that kind of sums it up, right? Like the law is made to show us how to live and to treat each other well. Like don't kill, don't steal, you know, you're going to have a much happier society. Uh, but he was saying that like, when you start to worship the law, that's when it becomes dangerous, right? You're, you're putting the the law ahead of God. That's how I see it. Does that make sense, Joshua? Yeah. And it was, um, the, his brother would use it to condemn people. Exactly. Yes. And so, yeah, that, and, and to even kind of add to that, um, before Christ, when they were, um, in the wilderness and just moving into the land of Israel. Um, I think Joshua was even instructed not to even speak of the law that he was only to read it and meditate upon it because, um, hearing it, speaking it and others hearing it, it has a, uh, an effect on them. Now that they've heard the law, now they're subject to it. And so when we do preach the law, we're really preaching condemnation and death. And so that was kind of another point that he was trying to make was that uh, you can kind of damn people sometimes without meaning to. And that's what sometimes Christians are guilty of is, well, you shouldn't do this and thou shalt not do this. And, but we're really right. damning those people to hell when we do that at the same time. So it's we also like live it and yeah. walk as an example. Help I think each it's other also to like succeed, we're in it, right? To not just say, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Go. What can I do to help you so that you don't do that anymore? Be well, available. I think it's where where uh, attention goes, energy goes, right? So if you're giving attention to a lot of these negative things, you're giving it more energy in a, in a lot of ways. So instead of focusing on don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, maybe like focus on loving people, right? That's kind of what Jesus did. He, he was like the antidote. He was like, let's focus on loving people, treating each other how you want to be treated, being selfless. Um, and I think that was kind of the shift, right? Instead of focusing on the negative, if you focus on trying to quit something, it's a lot harder than focusing on a new habit that sort of just replaces it naturally. Yeah. There, there's also a mystical component to it that I think um, is sometimes overlooked as well is that, you know, the law in some ways is like a twilight language that um like you said it was a design to kind of instruct us to do what well i think it was intended for us to have a clear channel you know if you think of us as our like antennas to receive spiritual attunement uh well if your body's full of unclean animals and stuff like that you know you're going to basically attract the the right. negative entities uh, a user manual yeah. <laughs> so basically it's user manual good good point yeah and uh by having that clear channel you know we were able to commune with god a little more and i think it's in exodus which i know we won't get there in genesis but or wait it is in genesis actually um where uh jacob wrestles the angel and is given a new name and uh he gives him the name israel instead of jacob mm -hmm. and i think that's interesting because in revelation we're going to talk about the beginning so i'll talk about the end and revelation uh talks about uh the testimony jesus christ gives john is about how he'll give us a white stone with a new name and i couldn't help but think of the pineal gland when i think of that too so i think the torah in a lot of ways was designed to help the 
his people have sovereignty, like the a crown chakra. They are not in spiritual captivity. So he was like, I'm going to provide you a way. Here's a way out of spiritual captivity. And if you follow this, you know, I'll keep you. But if you, if you forget me and forget my ways, I will forget you and turn my anger upon you. And we see this kind of thing happen time and again with the chosen people. Um, so I don't want to go on and on about yeah, that because I, you can go that, a lot of different directions. But yeah, I think that stone uh, thing is interesting because that it made me think of King Arthur right away and the sword and the stone and what the stone is and this kind of like this alchemical process yeah. that does go back to your pineal gland. It's like it has to do with you know uh, spine in your skull. Yeah, of of. I forget. It starts with a V. Vitri vitriol, right? Uh, oh yeah, the alchemical process. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of that. It's also that's an acronym, I think. Yeah, vitriol. Yeah. Indeed. The uh, I can't remember exactly what it is. Uh, something resides in the earth. Mm-hmm. Enter the secret. Yeah, you have to enter inside pure to be able to uh receive the stone so it's kind of like clearing your consciousness clearing out, clearing out the negativity so that way you can really truly understand yourself and that is the gift that is the philosopher's stone and it's got that association with immortality as well so again we find that theme being present so i think that you know yahweh was giving us this gift showing us the way out because as we'll read in genesis um you know the serpent was trying to steal our sovereignty after we had been given it in genesis 126 we had been given dominion over all the kingdoms so we got the animal kingdom the fish aquatic kingdom we got the fowl kingdom all the, the creeping thing all those different kingdoms are in biology right so man was to crown that and uh i think this is also summed up really well in the four beasts of the throne of god that we see in ezekiel that uh, was the what the bull lion eagle or phoenix and then the face of a man um so we see it there too which are the four they're the four uh uh forget what they are dang it but they're the the zodiac oh yeah or, the four fixed signs yeah the four Aquarius, fixed signs. leo taurus and uh scorpio mm -hmm. they got royal stars in them uh as well yeah so that's that's also fascinating uh this is all stuff that i want to get into I'm, I'm glad that you guys are also bringing up these different ideas to makes me not feel like I'm, I'm just being uh, the devil's advocate around here. But um, as I was saying, uh, Nomad uh, is a follower of Christ. Joshua is into uh, the Torah and also just uh, a follower, I would say. And then uh, myself, uh, I, I don't really believe in any religious uh, texts or books or doctrines. Um, I personally feel that all gods are man-made and 
I, uh, I don't put my energy into all of it. Uh, I see God as like basically the Fibonacci sequence or the code that exists and permeates through all things. And we are part of that code. So in that aspect, we are God, if that's what you want to call it. But I don't think God has a human form or a creator form where he would have fashioned a human. I think that was all done through maybe through like not necessarily evolution, but evolution. I don't necessarily agree with Charles Darwin's evolution. Uh, I think there can be hybridization and different things like that that can create different types of evolution, uh, nary paths. But, um, but so as far as like religion goes, I've always been very fascinated with the Bible. Um, uh, I my father died when I was twelve years old, and my mom had me go to church. I always had lots of questions couldn't be answered. Uh, so I kind of got out of the church and I started to try to just research and uh, different books, different texts, and try to find my own path in life. And um, it's led me to where I'm at now. So I can't really fault that. But I always keep going back to the Bible for insight or uh, moral codes or all kinds of different things. Um, I, I find it fascinating. I believe it to be a historical book. Uh, I think there's different layers to the Bible. I think, you know, there's a, a, a normal layer for everybody that can read it and get something from it. And then I think there's a initiate layer and then a depth layer because I think the Bible is alchemical within itself. And uh, it talks about the micro, the macro, and the physical level, the Middle Earth, which is where all the plays or the stories come out on, but it also describes those other aspects. So that's kind of where I stand on it. And then um, how, how did, uh, we'll start with you, Joshua. How did you kind of get into your religious beliefs and religious studies um, that happened to you? Were you born into it or... How did you come to do the research that you do and um, believe what you believe? Well, that's a good question. Uh, actually, I remember, well, my parents themselves were not particularly religious, although nowadays they are a little more probably than they ever were. But uh, I remember the first time I ever went to church, it was because my next door neighbor, who was my uncle, he put together a swing set for my uh, parents and me and so the deal was if I, if he did that i had to go to church and so the first time i'd ever went to church was 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 that way you know and him making a deal with me so i think that's kind of interesting <laughs> it was like a uh some type of deal and a way to witness to somebody i guess is to kind of bribe them you're like well i'll do this thing for you if you <laughs> go to church a little but yeah, faustian, I think it was, but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it does feel faustian right um but his name was calvin so he was a calvinist i suppose <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah um i'm glad that happened though because had it, had it not, maybe, you know, I don't know if I'd ever found myself back in a church, but that was the first time I ever went to church and the last time for many, many years. I mean, I did go from time to time off and on, but not regularly. Oh, you see, that was probably when I was five-ish, mm. you know, very young age. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really the value. And <clears throat> while living there, I did have some supernatural type of experiences from time to time. So I feel like um, most of what I felt spiritually speaking came from just the experiences I had directly. Um, and uh, my mom, of course, had her own set of experiences like, you know, being touched by ghosts or hearing cabinet doors slam and nothing's in there. I saw what I guess is a demon when I was, that was the earliest memory I have in that house we were in. So Mm. on my entire life, I guess I was always seeking for answers, trying to understand like what was going on in my childhood life, you know, and as the years would go by, the experiences themselves would change like the sensory perception. Um, like at a young age, it was visual. And then as I get older, maybe it become auditory. And then it wasn't until I got older that I began to have like dreams and stuff that were strange and sleep paralysis and things getting knocked off the walls and stuff like that. And it's like, so really I've kind of been chased into the arms of my God <laughs> trying to just make sense of everything. And so when the Bible talks about spiritual warfare and stuff like that, like I, I really, think that um i i have a, a not a firm maybe not a firm understanding but i i feel like my life experiences have helped my faith be very strong so that when i read the bible like you said there's layers to it it's not just a bunch of words and stories to me i mean i i believe these things really did happen and uh you know because i've had supernatural things happen to me you know mm-hmm. um so when i read it i have that I see it through that lens, like, oh, this, the sea really did part. They really did walk across. Um, People really were getting healed and resurrected and, you know, this stuff. When you start seeing it through that lens, like you got to have magic in it, you know, and I think a lot of religion has been sanitized today and they've really taken the magic out of it, the mysticism and the spirituality aspects and made it more academic and Mm -hmm. historical, you know, it's like, well, that's, part of it yeah but you know there's there's the other aspect to it so part of what's driven my uh desire and life to know these things is is what's as what's happened to me up until a few years ago i was having uh experiences still (laughs) but it has slacked off the last few years so i'm not I'm, i'm i'm good on that too because uh it's it kind of wears you out after a while, like having all these epiphanies and stuff. And I feel like I've lived a lifetime or two just in the last few years with everything I've learned too. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I truly feel like my God is my friend now, you know, and I have a better understanding now what it means to be saved and what it means to save others, especially in this very dangerous time that we're in now where the snare has come upon the earth. And these are things that we've been warned about, you know, so I, I think what it, what's really cool is that we are literally, quite literally, getting to participate in the saga, you know, that, that we're a part of right now. And uh, maybe one day there'll be another book <laughs> or two or three. Uh, it does talk about in Revelation how, you know, the 144,000 and will have all their names written in the book and stuff like that so the people that god preserves you know he he 
puts in his his book. And, They're in the uh, next the next book. I like. Yeah, that. man. So I think that we're kind of experiencing that right now. And I think once I had that realization too, I was like, oh man, that's what it really means to be saved. You know, like you're going to be written about and remembered. And this is something that we kind of see really popular in a lot of other cultures too. Like the whole concept of uh, being remembered, you know, in, in Norse it's Valhalla, you know, dying an honorable death in battle or whatever. And to have songs sang about them and whatnot. <laughs> so it's kind of similar to that, except in Judaism, it's referred to as Hashem, yeah. the name, um, or Hasatan, which is the adversary, which is infamy. You don't get remembered if you're part of Hasatan, but if you're part of Hashem, the name, then you're preserved. And um, I didn't mention this earlier because I forgot, but uh, for fellowship, I did recently join the Greek Orthodox Church and, uh, you know, they don't really go back. The, the, the people there do read the Old Testament, I think, but it's like uh, most I know I notice most Christians are only focused on the New Testament. And uh, I think that yeah. really the goal, I think, should be to kind of unify the Old Testament and the New Testament together into one. And uh, I think that during the millennial reign, like we're supposed to have a 1000 year kingdom that fills the whole earth. I think that during that time, that's what we'll have finally when the head is restored to the body. But right now we got a body without a head. So I think a lot of the confusion that we see and is because of that, you know, like they, they, they killed the shepherd to scatter the flock. And that's how it's kind of characterized when they killed, killed Christ. So, you know, we're waiting for that day when the confusion will end. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, I, I like how in the Orthodox Church, though, they, they have a lot of icons that depict like the saints and stuff. So um, it's easy to get the wrong idea and think that they're worshiping idols in the church. And it is kind of off-putting at first. But then when you realize like, well, you know, um, when we read in Revelations, especially about how the prayers of the saints are filled uh, in, in the bowls and in, in the temple, the prayer bowls are filled with the prayers of saints and such. And the blood of martyrs basically built the church. You know, <laughs> So I think what they're really trying to get across in that is this concept of Hashem or the name or being preserved that you you as the, become a part of the body of Christ. And in that way, we kind of live forever in that way um as well so you know this uh immortality aspect kind of runs through that as well uh and when, if we're going to talk about the tribe of dan at all you know they would kind of be an example of they were kind of excluded from hashem and you'll notice that in the revelation they are not named in the one hundred forty-four thousand, for instance yeah. but they could be the head <laughs> because they are the judge because after all judge. dan means judge yeah yeah so i i get on rabbit trails pretty easily so pardon <laughs> me it's all good you're good uh i was just asking you about your story about how you got into your faith and what you believe and uh if uh if that's all then uh you can stop there or if you got more to tell us feel free no that'll do for now i just uh I, yeah I and as we go away. through uh the the genesis um 
And if you have more stories to share when we're reading those, feel free to share those stories too, if it pertains to the subject matter. Uh, but you had mentioned the thousand year reign of Christ when that comes and the new book. What? Uh, how do you feel about the Mormons? And do you think that was possibly the new book after the New Testament? Well, that's an interesting topic. Um, I'm not an expert on Mormon stuff, but there are a few things that I find interesting. And I don't like to say that a book is or isn't um, necessarily a, a good book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are books that I may not promote. And so these are some that I would say, well, I think they're good to read, but I can't say they're as far as authenticity or whatever. I, I can't. I'm not. So, but yeah, I definitely think people should read them because for instance, the book of Nephi, I think is one that kind of talks a lot about the immigration of, yeah. um, the, you know, the lost tribes over to the North American continent and right. And it talks about settling all these cities and stuff. And I just think that that's kind of bizarre because we don't get taught anything like that in school. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it would be nice to see some of the truth really sussed out there, you know, about who really did discover America and whatnot. And it really would change a lot of things. I think if, it wasn't Christopher Columbus, but in fact, you know, a Viking or <laughs> somebody in the company of this Joseph Smith fellow. And he talks about getting the golden plates. Yeah. Um, Some of the stuff that he I talks about is interesting. Uh, sus, but the, the interesting underlying story is that, you know, they migrated over from uh, the yeah. old. Uh, the Middle East or however you want to say it to the Americas. I think that is kind of a fascinating topic. And the fact that they did write kind of like a new book in that way. uh, I just, it made me think of that when you were talking about Mm -hmm. it. So I just thought I'd bring it up. I want to hear Nomad, uh, your opinion about that also. Yeah, I think for me, the book of life is more of actual life. And so I think the new book is like the next, evolution of that and so i think it's maybe outside of this reality so like when we pass away right like i think there's a next evolution of our soul and and i think that that's more of like what the book of life is for me um versus like because what i love about the bible is it does have really good historicity right there's a lot of different translations and stuff but it's it's kind of saying the same thing if you really refine it and get down to it um and so i think that's where the Book of Mormon gets a little bit more sketchy for me. I think that when I did look into it, it seemed like uh, Joseph Smith was a little bit sketchy. Like he was kind of like a con man or something yeah, from what I understand. Yeah, and then, and I'm not a historian way. on it, so I don't, I'm not yeah. judging or anything, but that's just the brief understanding I have of it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I feel on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that's pretty much the brief understanding. Should I add a couple more I things? About it too. Yeah, go ahead, Joshua. Um. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said there, no man, by the way, but, but, uh, what I have discovered is I had some clients a while back that were Mormon. And so I did get a chance to read the Bible. They have a little, um, a little bit of the Bible they have and such. And what I found and it was pretty interesting because in the back of it, um, and I asked people that were of the faith too, 
because I, I was I'm really wanting some answers here. But um, I found a few pages and I, I think it might have been part of the Pearl of Great Price, which reminds me of the pineal gland um, or some other part that was like an addendum or uh, appendix. But it was depicting um, basically this engraving that had the Sumerian characters on it and, and writing and stuff. And I was just thinking, like, why, what is that doing in this Bible? Like, what is going on here? You know, and uh, and I never really got a satisfactory answer for that. But I did remember seeing the annotations down below explaining like each figure and what it meant. And some of them were not even explained or said that uh, in the end times, the meaning would be revealed and things like that. And I just was very, uh, it was very provocative for me because it was getting into that territory of like the alien God stuff. And uh, so for what it's worth, I mean, I know it might seem kind of hard to be credible or whatever, but it does bring up a lot of very weird and interesting topics that I think are fun to, to explore. But, right. Um, and I think everyone should be open-minded and do their own <laughs> research. But I think that if you were trying to sort of con people or like put people into a certain oh, way of thinking, um, using old symbols, right. Is a great way to do that. And just sort of, you know, yeah, putting exactly. them all together and repackaging it. <laughs> yeah. So that's what he they could have did, stolen but, some of this stuff. So I, I definitely, yeah, understand yeah. The, the vibe use, discernment. You use your about. own yeah. discernment i did that did remind me though just real quick want to touch on this uh just ironically i think this was the verse of the day yesterday um but it's in isaiah and it's uh, isaiah 43 18 19 it says remember not former things and ancient things consider not lo i am doing a new thing new and springeth up do ye not know it yeah, I have put in the wilderness away in a desolate place floods. So I don't know. It's just, I think it's fun to research all this old stuff, right? But I think it is important to understand we are living in a new way, right? And in my opinion, Christ showed us that way. I would be curious, Dan, have you found other than Christ, or maybe you don't even think of Christ as this, but have you found a really good example um, of like how to live and how to treat people that you feel like is sort of the go-to. Does that make sense? Um, or just a good, great example. Yeah. Let, uh, so I, I don't really, I, I kind of use my own intuitiveness or my own consciousness of how I yeah. treat people okay. and kind of like, you know, treat others like you want to be treated as a pretty easy one. Um, mm -hmm. But so I, I just kind of try to be kind. Uh, I think like even in like some of the new agey stuff with spirituality, uh, like just to have love for other people or respect for other people or realize that like energy flows uh, through everything. So if somebody is negative, like I give this one example of this guy that flipped me off in his truck because i was trying to pull out of a parking lot and he uh was pissed off because i was blocking the entrance for him to go in but there was two entrances he just didn't want to use the other one so he flipped me off and then he pulled into the the business that i was parked at and so i i turned around and i went in and uh i was pissed about it 
But instead of going up to him and yelling at him and be like, hey, what the fuck, asshole? Uh, I went up to him and I said, hey, man, you know, you just flipped me off. And uh, like, you didn't really, there wasn't really a, any reason for that. Like, uh, you know, I kind of made it seem, or how did I, how do I put it? Like, I was just like, it's not cool for you to do that. Like, I, I'm not going to flip you off. I didn't yell at him. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. Like, I was I was getting angry, and so I reacted, and I apologized, and he shook my hand, and we talked for five minutes or so, and we were cool after that and squashed it, right? Uh, because I was like, you know, you put that negative energy on me, and I don't want to hold that negative energy anymore, so I have to squash that beef right now and and turn that negativity into positivity. And so I, I kind of think in the terms of positivity, I don't think, I don't know if there's like a necessarily a, a teacher for that. I think there's many teachers for that. And why I don't settle on one religion is because I can go to whatever teacher I want to, whether it's Buddha, whether it's spirituality, whether it's the Bible or whatever it may be, I can gain that insight and wisdom from other people. Uh, when uh, my dad died when I was younger, uh, I was I became the man, and so I, instead of like repeating those same mistakes that my dad made, because he died from uh, basically a, a drug induced heart attack, um, and once I found that out, so I kind of learned from other people's mistakes as I grew up. And my friends got really into drugs and I got really not into drugs, but I still was around them, but I just didn't partake in that kind of stuff. And so I always just kind of learned from everybody else. I also worked in a bar for four years where I was a bouncer. And so I seen a lot of people that were alcoholics and whatnot. And I talked to people. That's what I like to do. I love talking to people. So I got insight from them and their lives. And then I just tried not to repeat those same mistakes. So I feel like you can use everybody as a teacher and it doesn't have to be one thing. Uh, so I guess that would be kind of my response, I guess. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I know for me, it was a journey. I grew up in the church. Uh, my dad is a pastor in like a um, Protestant uh, Assemblies of God church. But I didn't want to believe just what I was taught, right? Your primary socialization, like the first seven years of your life sets you up for who you're going to be. I didn't want that to be why I believe what I believe. So I studied Buddhism, Hinduism, went to the Catholic church for a year just to figure out kind of the nuances and the differences. And for me, it did just come back to like, I feel like Christ was the best example and the way he went about it, even it was not only what he was saying, but how he did it by just asking questions and just parables and making people think for themselves. Yeah. Um, so it was all those different aspects that I really just gravitated towards him. I felt like I would find certain little holes uh, with other ones where I was like, that just doesn't resonate. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it just kept coming back to Christ for me. And eventually that's just where I landed and it, I've been in so much more peace. So that's just a little bit of my testimony. I would ask a follow-up question though. If somebody who, you know, is, is raised in like a unfortunate circumstance and they don't have good uh, people to look after and to learn from, you know, sometimes those 
addictions and stuff can trickle down as well, right? Do you mm-hmm. think that it would be beneficial to have sort of an example that's positive to look for in those that maybe would help you? I know seeing like them when they turn out bad can give you that image and you know not to, but um, do you think it's beneficial to have that sort of positive influence and in someone to look up to? Um, uh, I don't know how I feel about that necessarily. Uh, for me, growing up, I never really had any like idols or like actors or athletes or anybody that I really looked up to or aspired to be like. Um, so, and I think that I turned out just fine and I still have like very strong morals, even though I don't have a particular religion. Um, but Mm -hmm. as far as like, I know other people, they need that. Uh, I think the Bible or something religious probably would be a good example for them because it's pretty set in stone as to what it is where if it's an actor or athlete or something they could all of a sudden do something and then you know then they're not that great person that you put on a pedestal anymore and that could kind of ruin you Mm -hmm. in that aspect so it's always good to have good teachers so you should pick your teachers pretty wisely um i don't necessarily agree that it would have to be the Bible or Jesus. I think Buddhism is a, a very self-harmonizing um, relig- religion. If you call it a religion, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily a religion because they don't necessarily worship a God. They just believe that uh, in uh, like reaching that nirvana through breathing and uh, having patience and, you know, going through, through it with them, their own self so that self-reflection with uh buddhism i think is a a very strong aspect that and you don't need um a god for that necessarily uh so yeah i don't know how to but they still do look up to buddha right like buddha is kind of their christ figure like they have a bunch of statues of buddha and stuff right so it is kind of that symbol praying to buddha allegory of like uh self-reflection of how to get there it's looking to a teacher to see like learning from those lessons it's looking to that teacher to understand how to get there for yourself rather than putting that faith or your energy into that godhead or whatnot to help achieve that so it's a somewhat little bit different but not totally different yeah there's similarity there yeah yeah um joshua did you have anything to add to that or i was gonna go back to the morning. yeah um first of all i'm sorry to hear about your dad but thank you for sharing oh, no. that and thank you also for your testimony nomad i i would just say that i do feel like role models for, for me growing up were very important and christ was a role model of mine but i do have a distinct memory growing up of uh joan of arc being a role model of mine because i i don't know if i have epilepsy but i do twitch from time to time <laughs> and uh we never figured out what was going on with me but i just concluded it was like a mild form of epilepsy so i was kind of looked up to joan of arc because it was thought that she had epilepsy too right and it said if you had this you were touched by god and 
I kind of always viewed her in that way as like a role model because she had a, a lot of faith in God and, and Christ. And, um, you know, she even went so far as to pretend she was a guy just so she could be in the military and do what she felt was God's will, you know. And it's funny that God was using this puny little maid <laughs> to do his will when, you know, the land was filled with men that wouldn't or couldn't. So for me, um, that was always a motivation that, you know, no matter how small or, or weak I was, that I could be an instrument for God to use. So I think it is always good to have a good role model. Um, but what makes Christ so unique is that he became the Passover lamb. And while we can't keep the law, those 613, 620 commandments, since we can't keep those without breaking them, and he was able to, that's why we're uh, made legally exempt from that punishment of death. If if we just acknowledge that, you know, the work that was done by him. And so I think that's what makes it unique is that he showed us how to walk the Torah. You're not going to get that from Joan of Arc necessarily, but what you will get from her and some of these other saints is that, you know, maybe an example of their great faith. But all of that is while they're under the exemption from the law, because they're probably not keeping the Torah perfectly, but they might exude great faith or exemplify like a gift or something. So I think there are some good role models, but, um, but yeah, it's the blood of the lamb, which uh, is really emphasized in the story of the Passover for me. And that that's an Exodus that, that I think is very powerful. And again, uh, one of those mystical components to the faith that isn't always correlated. Well, you know, like, the blood being, can you imagine today God telling you, Hey, the angel of death's going to sweep over your town. I want you to take lamb's blood and put it on your door and uh, the angel of death will pass over you, you know? And well, that's what we're being asked today. If you to accept Jesus Christ as your uh, savior is to do just that. <laughs> uh, you know, so I think when we talk about revelation, sometimes it talks about like the spirits, you know, kind of doing their thing on the earth. And when this is all going on, you know, we'll have that Passover blood over us. So anyway, I just, you really inspired me there, Nomad. And I just wanted to really talk about why, why he's unique too, not just yeah. that he's such a good role model, but yeah, but, I appreciate but, that. But what the power in the blood really means, <laughs> there's some, yeah deeply mystical component there and when you're in the orthodox church they refer to the act of communion which by the way i've been going for almost a year now and i've still not been allowed to take communion um because you know back in the day they used to have to meet underground and whatnot um, because if you were found out as being christian they'd say like oh they're in there eating the body and blood of their god you know they're cannibals and they you know those those grounds to be executed you know so there's certain parts of the service um that you know if you were not yet a part of the church you were made to like leave and so uh to be able to sit there right now and actually witness the entire service is pretty interesting because it's a lot different from like a baptist service which is kind of how i grew up like 
hellfire brimstone salvation like i love that stuff man don't get me wrong (laughs) but um you never saw communion except like once a year and that was during the easter and you were using grape juice not wine and salt and crackers not bread you know so it was like totally watered down version of the 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 mystery rites that they do in a service like that so i've kind of gain an appreciation for that too, because, you know, part of the 613 commandments were these rules that were the men, for instance, like we as men would be expected to go to the temple three times a year, you know, and that was for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Pentecost, and uh, Judgment Day, Yom Kippur. Now, there were also three other days, so there was seven total, but, um, but, you know, you're expected to go to there three times a year and and Passover is where we get communion, you know, so a lot of the stuff kind of branches out from the, the Judaic feast days. And uh, just I'll end with this that, um, you know, I think just by acknowledging like the Sabbath day, for instance, that really helped me break a lot of the traditions of man like Christmas, for instance, and um coming out of spiritual captivity and realizing like, Oh man, we had, we were given holidays to, to observe. And, but then it started making the mystical connection of well, why, what happens to you if you keep these false holidays or whatever that are associated with different gods and stuff. And, um, uh, no man made a really interesting point that I think kind of really drives some points home that maybe we'll make later is that, he created a new way. Um, I, I, I think that a lot of these quote unquote, small G gods did exist <laughs> until they were all wiped out. And so they all had their own way, which was left hand. They, they tried to create their own way to do things. And he's like, you know what? We're, we're, we're going <laughs> to wipe the slate clean. He wipes them all out. And he's like, I'm going to send my son. This is my right hand way. And, you know, and it talks about in Exodus how when his glory passes by, he'll put his hand over a cleft in the rock and protect us, you know. And that's what he was doing with Jesus Christ uh, when he sent him. So when, uh, you know, his, the glory of his coming would pass, the angel of death would go over us, you know. And I think that that's just so wild is that, uh, you know, you get into Exodus and, and uh, Deuteronomy and Joshua and you read about them going into the land and killing all the giants and stuff. I think that that's really remarkable and kind of a a culted part of our biblical history too. They don't talk a lot about Genesis six and the giant wars and the tribe of Dan was kind of known for giant slain too. Um, But anyway, I, I I go and I I talk a lot. (laughs) No, you're good. Uh, That's kind of like one one of my ultimate questions um, forever has been like, what is the difference between the gods of the, the uh, like pagan pantheons uh, as opposed to Jesus? To me, it seems like Jesus, if Jesus is a God, he probably comes from the same family of the rest of these gods. And if you go back through, uh, the different 
histories and different Zoroastrianism, Egyptian, uh, Norse, and all of them, you can see similarities or crossovers between them all. And it seems like even uh, the Bible kind of came up out of Egypt in some ways. Uh, so, like, how 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 is it so uh, different for Jesus, but not for the like what what makes all of these other gods evil and Jesus good? I guess is kind of like my thought is it it doesn't see because a lot when you go into the pagan beliefs of some of these gods they seem just as good-hearted or um uh somewhat what are some of good and bad i guess you could say in some of them but not always are they you know even david uh in the bible uh goes through trials and tribulations same with solomon and they're all supposed to be of that same line so uh i I, you know aren't they evil then too solomon built a temple with demons so does isn't he evil also so i guess i don't understand like what makes jesus the absolute god and all the other ones not Right. Well, from from my perspective, what we know of Jesus is he was perfect, right? He didn't have any of these other um, aspects that David and Solomon had, right? He wasn't uh, sending people out to war to be killed on the front line so that he could be with their girl, right? Like that, Jesus was not doing that kind of stuff. Um, and I God, would, I however, was though. He was sitting. Well, out and that brings up an interesting question. That brings up an interesting question because I do think there is some debate there to be had on if the the Old Testament, some of the times that we think of as the God, right? I think it is possible that those have been misinterpretations of lowercase gods um, acting as God. Because you're right, Dan, there is a dissonance there, right? When you see Jesus and how he acts and how he treats people, that's very different than how we see like the Old Testament Agreed. God yes. acting. And I agree. And in my perspective, Jesus is the example of God's perfect will. And so I think that Jesus is the God coming into this world to show us his perfect will and how he would like us to live without telling us what to do, right? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He asked questions, made us think. Um, and so that's my perspective on it. That's why Jesus is so different. And a lot of the points that you brought up of like the lessons that you have learned from other people, uh, treat others as you would want to be treated, like turn the other cheek, pray for your enemies. These are the exact teachings that Jesus gave us. Um, and so that's why Jesus for me is kind of different. Does that make sense? Uh, I mean, I see what you're saying, but no, it still doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Is is there another example of someone make, that you think lives up to Jesus? For instance, like anything that's non-Christian, uh, that's a pagan deity, is considered satanic. I don't understand this whole uh, fascination with Satanism. Uh, to me, Satanism is biblical, actually. So whenever people are saying that it's satanic, it's actually... A, a biblical thing it's, it has nothing to do with paganism uh so it, it seems very out of context and then uh learning about like what satan even is is he's a he's an angel of god and he's pretty much sent here to do god's bidding also 
it seems like. So I, I don't understand the differentiation. Even Satan is this evil God, but he comes from the same, he's a child of God. So how, <laughs> that's what's hard for me to make sense of. That's like, that's why I said it's the ultimate question for me because I've looked into it many different ways and I still can't find like uh, something that harmonizes with me that makes me go, ah, oh, that's why. I feel like I can answer that for you. Yeah, go yeah, for go it. Ahead, That's Jeff. what this is all about, man. This is why we talk to to get out these ideas and share with each other. So uh, again, I think it would kind of go back to that Hashem Hasatan uh, aspect, which is the adversary and the name. Um, and if if we go to the uh, Quran, they have a good, pretty good story that might help put this in the context about Lucifer and why he was cast down was that uh, he was a Dijin, smokeless fire entity, and he saw himself as being superior because he was pure spirit, you know, and uh, and so when man was created, the atom was uh, a golem, if you will, um, a, a vessel of clay. And But what made it special was that even though it was the, the densest material, um, Yahweh had put his spirit in him, his Ruach, Ruach HaKadosh. He breathes uh, when he puts the breath into the nostrils. So when this pneuma or breath of life and the spirit, this this sovereignty is instilled into the atom and uh, the angels are instructed to bow down to him and serve him. Um, there was a third of them that did not. Mm -hmm. Lucifer, chief among them, even though he was very obedient, like you said, an angel of the Lord, to be sure. But um, because of his nature, though, um, and, and this is a good point to make, is that a lot of times I think that uh, Satan and Lucifer are conflated. Mm -hmm. um, Lucifer himself kept he he would have been keeping the entire law to be in the presence of god he would have had to so you know he knows the law inside and out and that's what makes him the perfect accuser uh for god's people is that he he does know the law forwards and backwards and so he's like a persecuting attorney or prosecuting attorney and so that's what makes this uh make more sense i think is that christ being his name is salvation he any utterance from the mouth of the most high god becomes law and so imagine how silent the most high god is most of the time you would have to really think everything out when you make a decree from your mouth because now it's law your angels are executing your will you know day in day out and so one of these things that he utters is that He's going to put the name of his son above all other names, and that name is salvation, or Yahshua, right? So, but that's the shin, and uh, I think that that's really important because it is because, <laughs> and I know that's not the satisfactory answer that people might want to hear, but it's like, well, if you're the strongest in a way, you make the rules, right? And so. Um, I, I don't think that the other entities uh, didn't exist. I think that they did exist. And I think part of the way God, uh, as we know it, 
Yahweh exuded his will was to kill them all. Because <laughs> I think they were on the earth at one time. And I think some of their seed might still be here too in the gene pool still. But um, he made it very clear that their seed was not going to prosper on this earth. And if we look to the examples that are given in the Old Testament about how they purged the land, like you mentioned with David earlier, one of the most notable things he did was slay Goliath, who was a giant. And so I think if we look some of these examples that we have from time to time, we can kind of see that um, there was a an other, you know, um, these were not necessarily human. So if we're going to use the example, like, oh, look at all the violence. Well, it would seem that way. Yes. But genetically, they weren't part of the blueprint. Right. So I think a lot of the heathen gods and uh, these angels like tried to create their own race of people, their own religious type of ideas. And um, so there's a grain of thread of truth in all these things for a reason. I think it's because it's true in the sense that it existed, but they weren't the path to the father, you know? And uh, so I think what it is, God, the father can't be here on earth because we're so sinful, not keeping the law. He would be forced to destroy us um, because if he didn't do that, you know, his whole kingdom wouldn't have law and order in it. Like his angels would probably rebel, you know? Um, so, and it makes it very clear too, when he's leading his people out of uh, Egypt and the Exodus that, uh, you know, after he gave them the 10 commandments, which it says he wrote with his finger. I think that's a really interesting detail that once when he did that, uh, Moses is coming down off the hill with the tablets and they're already worshiping a golden calf. So then he breaks the 10 commandments and goes back up and gets the 613. But um, because of that, you know, he even makes the statement like, I'm not going to walk with you into Israel because I'm liable to destroy you. <laughs> you know, in other words, I'm only choosing you people for a reason, you know, like in other words, he was using these people, I think for the time we're in now, you know, like they were disobedient then, but he, you know, that this was a future plan, which included Christ. And uh, we'll see also with the genealogies that are mentioned in Genesis um, yes. are part of it as well. Uh, and so the real reason Christ uh, is so special in a lot of ways too, is that, he is rectifying what happens in the Garden of Eden with the original sin, uh, with the um, the fig tree. So he he dispenses to us the parable of the fig tree, and you know the it's not an apple tree <laughs> as we're taught, which I think is really interesting too, as that it, it uh, seems to me it was a fig tree, and because they covered themselves with fig leaves after they ate of the fruit, right? So, and then here we got Christ giving us that uh, parable of the fig tree, talking about a future time of judgment. And so it's true that, you know, we come to know the father through Christ here on earth, but um, it's, it's this merciful aspect, you know, uh, he's not here to harm us or kill us um, because we're not keeping the law. Um, that's, you know, God, the father, would, would be doing that. And we see that in the old Testament a lot. Um, so, you know, for this period of time, uh, the mercy door 
is open and we can come in under the blood of the lamb. And, and this is kind of the scriptural pr perspective, but then that mercy door shuts one day and that uh, you mentioned how you were instructed to build an ark, Dan. <laughs> and it reminds me of this, that one day that door shuts on the ark and that's kind of the whole premise of the mercy door shutting. And, you know, if you're not covered under the blood of the lamb when that day comes, then the judgment comes and, uh, you know, so, yeah, you know, and I think that's something that maybe if you're not in one of these Baptist country churches, that kind of stuff isn't always taught. Like the judgment part is is there. Yeah. And uh, and but but yeah, that does end that mercy ends one day. And so I think that's very uh, interesting to make that point because Christ is then. Uh, given the authority to judge the earth. And I think that reminds me a lot of after the Exodus was the time of Joshua um, being the head of the body and they were killing all the giants in that day. And then after him was the time of judges, they didn't have government, you know? And I think yeah. so what we're seeing now is going to be very similar to what happened then we'll have again, the salvation as the head of the body and we'll have no government <laughs> and it'll fill the whole earth and we'll have the time of Dan time of judges. <laughs> so a question. Yeah. yeah Josh, you said a lot you of one, uh, great, yeah, sure. Interesting stuff that brings up a lot of other questions and, 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 and all that, that you said, um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let Nomad ask this question because I have like uh, one last question to close on and then we'll we'll kind of end it there for the night. But go ahead, Nomad. Well, yeah, I was just asking because you said you've done some research, Joshua, into the different names of God, right? And I think that that kind of gets to the the heart of this um, issue and sort of because, Dan, right, you're, that's probably where the dissonance is because you're saying a lot of these other pantheons, they have gods and they have the different aspects, right? They have like the creative and the destructive side. Um, and Nature. so I guess for me, have you, right, so have Joshua, have you found any uh, research or something that you found interesting into like the Elohim and Jehovah and the different names? I'm also curious if you've ever heard of Eloha as the sort of um, feminine singular uh, name for the Elohim. Have you heard any of this? Yeah, that's really interesting. I've heard the Elohim being equated to like uh, the stars or just the whole heavenly host, like uh, which would include angels, whichever cast they might be, cherub, seraphim, etc. Oh, phantom. Um, so I think the whole entire host is kind of referred to as Elohim. Because there's a verse, I think, in Genesis where it talks about, um, I, th I think maybe it's where the humans are making the Tower of Babel. And it says, behold, they are uh, capable of anything. Uh, if, if, if we don't intervene, it's something to the effect, if we don't intervene, they'll be as gods, you know, and be like us. And there's also the other verse about how God created them and uh, his image. But I think it also kind of refers to it in the plural there with like Elohim or something of that nature. So it kind of does make me wonder, um, you know, is this like the heavenly court um, and, and what Elohim means? And then Eloha, like you mentioned, so I, I could see that inferring that maybe there's a gender um, 
to the angels, perhaps that you got male and female angels even. Well, it just made me think, I just recently came upon this and the word Aloha reminds me of Aloha. And if you do have a sort of uh, female energy of a creator being, I feel like that kind of resonates with like the Aloha spirit. It's just very like kind and compassionate and creative. Um, So yeah, I don't know. I think there's some, something to be gathered of these specific words that are used in the old Testament. And I think almost for me, it has been a, a study of looking at the the fruit that these entities are are giving out, right? So, like, I don't know. I think it's a great debate because where was I when the universe was formed, right? So, if God made this world and decided that uh, some creatures that were made by man or something weren't part of the plan, and maybe He wiped them out, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to judge God, uh, but at the same time, the spirit that I have connected with. I haven't found anywhere else besides Jesus. And it is very different than like the stories of the old Testament for sure. Yeah. And um, you mentioned some of the other names. So like Jehovah, for instance, that um, I, I think more or less just translates to God almighty. Uh, Cause it's yeah. Yah. Hova. So it'd be Yah is God. And then Hova would be mighty. So basically mighty God is one of the epithets, but we don't get his actual name except the closest we get is like YHWH, which is yud heh vav heh and uh, which is why I like that name so much because then you add the shin to it and you get Yahshua. So for me, it works really well. Um, but, you know, I think that that was the merciful thing he done, you know, was sending his son so that he wouldn't have to punish us. And and another really interesting aspect is to consider that had Christ not um, sacrificed himself as the Passover lamb, and had he went ahead and ruled from the temple, he would have had to continue till this day, not having ever broken any of the laws. And we would have had to continue sacrificing animals for sin. So, with him doing that, it took away all of that necessary work. And uh, not to mention, if you weren't keeping the law, he would have to put you to death. So the merciful aspect we know him as is only because he came and did his work and left. Had he stuck around, he would have become like, remember when uh, uh, quote unquote, Satan, whichever spirit it was, takes him up to tempt him and offers him the kingdoms of the earth. So had he accepted that offer, he'd have been locked in and had to like kill. <laughs> we would get innumerable animals, you know, there would be blood everywhere and uh, it would have been a bloody rain. So I, you know, part of the really cool thing about it too, is that um, a lot of these animals now have their lives spared because of Christ's sacrifice. We have our lives spared too. But then there's also in Matthew 10, 33 through 36, Christ says, think not that I come to send peace, but a sword. He says that he'll, he'll divide the homes. There'll be five in a house, two against three and three against two, that there will be that. Oh, did we lose Joshua? I think we might have. No matter, are you still with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I think what he was getting at is that uh, the way that Christ went about the things that he was talking about was so revolutionary, right? Like, uh, pray for your enemies. That's so different, contrary to what everything in our history has been. 
And mm-hmm. so there was that division, right? Like it's very much a, a dividing way to think at things. Um, I'm uh, hoping that's where he was getting. Yeah, but then to me, uh, kind of retort with, well, if it's like pray for your enemies, then why destroy everybody if they don't believe what you believe? Well, right. And I don't think, so I think this is, we probably disagree, me and Joshua, maybe a little bit on this because, and I should give some context. A lot of my my philosophy and where I've come to um, land on things is from years of spending hours a day meditating and praying, right? It's, it's I research, I read, but I'm really spirit driven. Um, and go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I just want to give that preface so people kind of know, right, where I'm coming from. Um, but I've had in those prayers and those meditations feelings that perhaps Christ was the example to stop all of the unnecessary sacrificing that was going on. I think he was showing us that you guys don't need to be doing that. Like <laughs> that was not the perfect will. That was never the intent. Uh, so that's kind of my perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Question? It's all good, Josh. Joshua. Um, so what I uh, actually have a couple questions, and actually the, the that um, question that we just talked about kind of led me into what my final question was going to be. But uh, as you were talking right there, Nomad, um, you said prayer and meditation. Um, a lot of people think that meditation is a uh, uh, some sort of evil because it has to do with spirituality and it's not uh, something that has to do with God or Christianity. Uh, so how mm-hmm. do you, how, how would you say, is there a difference between the two or just, just a, a name that's different or it, yeah. um, how do you feel about that? Well, first off, I want to say that I think there is way too much judging and calling people Satanists and evil I think there's an adversary spirit and I think its biggest lie is biggest deception is making everyone think that everyone was evil. Right. And no one is safe. Martin Luther, Gandhi, uh, mm-hmm. anyone like you can, there's people will slander whoever. Right. I like to believe that most people are good and are seeking truth and trying to be better. So I don't, you know, I don't look at the word meditation and think that's evil. I think, how can I learn from this? Right. Uh, and so, First of all, that's kind of just my perspective. I think prayer to me is talking with God. So that that kind of implies listening. But to me, meditation is specifically listening, where I guess prayer is me kind of more talking is just kind of how I break it down. Okay, so great. meditation is sitting, listening, um, getting in that spirit. And that's where a lot of the wealth is from. I think when you're trying to just uh, act like God's your vending machine and say, I need this, I need that, you know, telling him everything that he already knows, it's uh, not the it's not as beneficial. So I think meditation is just kind of more listening. I think it's good to talk to God just to express how you're feeling and then listen to what God has to say. So when you pray, do you, when you pray, do you pray out loud or do you pray um, just in your own self self-conscious i do i do all all of the above um i think intent is the most important thing but i think it goes you know god said let there be light so i think there's intent then there's words and then there's light right so i think when you speak it there's power there but sometimes it's just not the appropriate circumstance or sometimes you just want to be in a different state of being so i think that's the difference if you're trying to listen right 
Um, that's one thing. But then if you're trying to speak something into existence, you, you got to speak it. You got to speak your truth to get it out there. Right. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally. Joshua, any, anything to add to that or I actually uh, agree. And that's something that I've thought about before is like how meditation is listening to God and prayer is talking to God. So if you're doing both, you're having a conversation with God and that's what we're supposed to be doing is carrying on in that conversation. And, um, you know, that's one thing I do like about some of the, uh, like the Orthodox, for instance, they kind of encourage you to do that. I've been to a Catholic church that even taught, talks about meditation distinct mm. from prayer. And for me, that was interesting because I'd never mm. heard that talk. Like you said, in the Baptist churches, for instance, that's all no, no stuff. And you're not allowed to meditate. But what really drove it home for me was in deeper in some of my studies, realizing how we are lambs, right? And what makes the lamb kosher is that it has the split hoof and also chews its could. Well, the word for chewing the could is ruminate. And ruminate is also a word for to think. And so when we read God's word, we're supposed to ruminate on it and meditate on it. So we um, chew chew our could, you know, that's so you read it. And then you meditate on that word and try to understand, well, what did he mean? You know, so maybe after you've been chewing on that could for 15 minutes, you know, God's talking to you as you're, you know, meditating on it. And so um, in that way, the, the daily bread that we eat does feed us. And I have to say, man, like I learned something. I, I try to get a little bit of study in every single day and it's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> and you know, I feel fed indeed. And um, life is totally different now than it was a few years ago, even, you know, um, I used to think a few years ago, like, wow, how do people pray all the time? And how do they find so much time to read their Bible? And to me, just, I don't know, before I (laughs) became, you know, uh, totally zealot, I guess, was, it seemed impossible, right? But then once you, once you get bitten by the, the Christ bug, <laughs> so to speak, it's like, now it's all you think about and all you want to do. And just like that lamb eating grass, you know, like, I can't wait to get the next blade of grass in my mouth, which is the, like the next word or yeah. next uh, epiphany that you're going to learn spiritually speaking. So it really, I think that it's, it was clever of God to leave mystery in there too, because um, totally. if we, if he told us everything, I don't know, it's yeah. our nature just to kind of be bored, like, oh, okay, now I know it all, right? But with the layers being in there, like you're always getting something different and new out of it. And here we are even talking about Genesis, and uh, yeah, we can't even get into it because we're we're ruminating and chewing good. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. I know yeah. the first verse of Genesis is crazy. We, we if we just read that of it, we would rant for hours on it. Let's uh yeah, let's let's uh we'll wait. We'll we'll maybe we should just do right at the end. The we'll put that right at the end and just leave it and then uh <laughs> Genesis at the end. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it right at the end. Perfect. Uh because my last question is um on RFTA and back in January of last year we did a whole month on what is god and so we had several different people on the show talking to us 
what their interpretation of God is. And so I'm wondering what your interpretation of what God is, uh, because for me personally, if God created the universe and the heavens, uh, and he created uh, the lands and the seas and the oceans, I don't think he's a, a human figure. And so for God to be on the planet doesn't make sense to me. God to have a child doesn't make sense. So it seems like more of like an avatar that was sent uh, or that um, he's he's nature. He's that nature code that I was talking about before at the beginning of how I think of God. Uh, so I was kind of wondering, like, what is your guys's interpretation of God? Because that might help me to understand when you say like God did this or God did that. It, it gives him a he persona of a human and so i'm wondering what your interpretation of that is uh, well mine would be we'll that god no man. both i saw joshua still muted <laughs> joshua um i was gonna say that i think that god is a creative force outside of our reality and i think that he has a perfect will or he whatever god i'll just say god has a perfect will and a permissible will and I think that that permissible will allows us to have um, variable and free will and choice, and it makes it interesting, right? Like we were just talking about. But I think he still, God still has a perfect will. And I think Jesus was that example. Jesus was the creative force outside of our reality, entering its creation to show us what its perfect will is. So, um, and I think, go ahead. Like, what is what is that will though? Is that it's just spirit in general or is that uh, uh an alien is that what what is like that wheel that's outside of everything else what is conceptually that because it's not a he or a she it's well that we know of I, to be honest <laughs> i don't know and i don't care like i think it's a creative force outside of our reality. That's like how I explain it. You know, I think we could try and break it down into all of these different, you know, things, but I don't know if we have a lot of evidence for it. Uh, okay. So yeah, that's kind of where it lands for me. And I think that Jesus, like, I know I always harp on Jesus, but Jesus is that perfect example. So when I say the creative force outside of our reality, it's like, I have a kid, right? And I have a, there's two paths. There's one that's lava rock and one that's grass. I would love him to go on the lava or on the grass, but he always <laughs> wants to go on the lava rock, right? Yeah. It's like, there's a perfect will and a permissible will. Sometimes I let him and he has fun and sometimes he falls and gets hurt and it's okay, right? I, but if there's like a cliff, I'm not going to allow him to go down that path, right? And so I think that's kind of how this reality works. But I do want to make the distinction of it being a simulation because I think this is sort of the um, ground zero or like the base reality. And I think the term simulation has become so popular because if you believe you're in a simulation, you're probably more inclined to enter another one. Uh, so that's kind of my uh, quick synopsis on God. So he's ancient AI. Uh, no, I don't know. I think ancient <laughs> AI is probably the serpent entity, deceiver entity, if anything. Okay, okay. Fair I think the, the code, you know, like you were saying, that runs everything, like the Fibonacci or whatever, these yeah, patterns yeah. that we see, 
I think those are more of the fingerprint of God. I think that's more oh, of like okay. the structure, the parameters that he has put into place. And so it's like looking at the uh, plumbing almost, right? So like he's looking at the plumbing the code, of cities. He's the coder. The coder. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Joshua. Well, um, you know, it is kind of a difficult thing to say what God yeah. is, right? Because right. yes, we don't is. really know. But what, what we can say a lot of times is what God is not. Um, and I can't remember what that exact philosophy is called. It's like negative, negative philosophy. I don't know. There's some word I've heard when in catechumen class. <laughs> but what we do know is like what he hates, for instance. We know that he's nothing that he hates um so on and so forth so there are some characteristics that we could assign to him that kind of get to know his personality i suppose um and sometimes he has what seem to be uniquely human characteristics like jealousy for instance he doesn't want us worshiping other gods so it's it's nice to see that there are these elements uh, in him that are uh like us but it's usually only things like the emotive qualities um, you know, there's something about he, he you're not going to find him on the physical plane and him sending Christ here, Joshua, 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 Jesus Christ. When he sent him here, that's the closest thing to having God on earth in the physical plane as this emissary or physical representation, I think. But he as an entity, I think, exists in spirit uh, outside this material existence. and. Um, what I think is really interesting is that in Genesis, it talks about how he speaks things into uh, existence and he seems to only ever exist as a mouth or as a hand or, you know, what he is, what he is. He, I am that I am. He, he, he is what he needs to be in the moment, it seems. <laughs> and then for not for any longer, because it's like the longer he would stay in this realm, the more corrupt he could become. And I think that again, kind of drives the point home about Christ dying at the age of 33 while keeping all the laws, like he died in this pristine, perfect state. And even the angels, when they came here, you know, they're called fallen angels for a reason, because even when they came here, they fell. So I think this earth, you know, kind of has inherently an evil quality to it because uh, like the ancient AI serpent <laughs> you guys mentioned, uh, it caused this earth to kind of go into a fallen state when uh, Adam had his uh, sovereignty usurped. So, you know, God walked with Adam and Eve um, in the morning, um, you know, in, in the creation story. So we know that at one time he did spend time here, but that when it became corrupt, he had to leave or otherwise he had to destroy it all, which is kind of what he did with the what he flood. Did with the flood yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then of course there's the second destruction that'll be with fire, which I think, Maybe he poured the water out from the moon and the deep, and then the second will be fire poured from the sun, which it does talk about that a little bit in Revelation. But uh, one more thing I'd like to add about what God is in, in some sense is that he's the word. And John, we uh, read about how in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and was God. And um, so the logos is another thing I think that is kind of important here is that um, not, not that God is the word, but that, you know, these are the utterances from God's lips. Um, so I think in that way, they're very important. Um, 
creations founded upon that after all. So I think that going back to it and studying it is kind of interesting because it gives us some insight into it. Right. Um, and the name of course is important in this regard too, like salvation being a, a word um, as, as well. And I think that, you know, this is important point to make, because if you go back and look at the old Testament, when it was given to the people from Mount Sinai, it was coded also like every 49th letter will spell T R O H Torah uh, in Genesis, Genesis and Exodus. It'll spell that. Then in Leviticus, every 49th letter spells Y-H-W-H, God's name. Then the next two books, uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, every 49th letter spells Torah backwards. And so, you know, things like that just blow my mind that, you know, he's like, in 40 days time, this was made. So you talk about an AI. I don't think he's an AI necessarily, but I think sometimes we do see incredibly higher order higher level something going on and there are these instances where you know we get a little bleed through like uh (laughs) this is like a gift from that realm of how to you know because that's that's apparently the laws that are keeping in heaven too you know the tabernacle in heaven so i think we get glimpses sometimes into it and uh one more thing i'll add about the word itself is that the hebrew language is so awesome because each letter is actually um a yod which is a hand what's that hebrew word pictures yeah i like that yeah Yeah, because each of them are loaded with uh symbolism and meaning and so if you take the hand you you can basically make shadow puppets on the wall so if you had a bright light and then your hand theoretically you could make every hebrew letter on the wall Mm. with your hand it's it's designed that way so that what's that mean then so the word itself is nothing more than a shadow right that's cast and um that's mm. it's not even you know so there's the light then there's the shadow then and the hand that's creating the shadow so what we're even getting in the torah which is the god's word is still just a shadow of God. And uh, he talks about how we can't see his face or we'll die and stuff like this. So there's a lot of really wild things about like, well, what is God? Well, which makes sense if you're outside of its reality, right? Like if we made a computer generated thing, like that can't really see our face in in this reality, but you could send in an avatar, right? That makes me think it's it's, interdimensional. That makes me think it's the sun. The sun will cast a shadow. The sun gives life to things. And the moon. Yeah. Which is part of their calendar. The Jews' calendar is uh, all determined by the moon. So, well, and the moon has shadows on it, right? That's what we get the phases mm-hmm. from, at least supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's uh, the fir- when the light first begins on the moon. That's when each month begins on the Jewish calendar. And uh, that was part of what was given at Sinai was that the new year actually begins in spring with Nisan, I which to, means first fruits. I wanted to ask you a question and um, for Joshua. Uh, when you're talking about that Bible code, what, what 
does that come from? Like what Bible? Is there a certain Bible that that Bible code comes from? Or is that from the original Hebrew? Just Hebrew. I mean, as we know it uh, today is in English, it's translated and the Pentateuch, the first five books, but more or less, it means the same thing. So, I mean, you can probably still get something out of it with the English, but you're going to have to use that code with the Hebrew to really get the full effect out of it. Okay. Yeah, and each like Hebrew letter corresponds with a number too, right? Yeah, you got gematria, which interesting enough, English does that too. English, Greek, and Hebrew. <laughs> hmm. Greek and Hebrew, I can understand because the Bible's written in both Greek and Hebrew, but to have English be unique enough to do that as well, I don't know of any other languages that have gematria. So I think it's kind of interesting. Hmm. It's like we have the we have the end days language. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> the definitely language. Yeah, I mean, it's that de- wasn't it like Shakespeare who kind of made English popular? more or less. I mean, it's basically Phoenician, which is like Kevin Bacon, right? Phoenician, or, or, or. <laughs> six degrees from Bacon. So I'll just try with Dan. Um, hey, Nomad, do you have that uh, first sentence in? Oh, Genesis? yeah, I can bring it up for sure. Yeah, let's do let's, it. Let's do it. Um, while I'm bringing that up real quick, I did have a question. Joshua, have you ever read the Anuma Elish? Yeah, I really like it. And I just did you up, find any correlation? Oh, go ahead. I just looked up the meaning of Enuma Elish when we were talking uh, because he said that Numa, would you say Numa meant? Um, like the breath, the holy breath. Yeah, the breath and Elish sounded like life. So it was God. E represents God usually always, uh, like E Din, E Redu. It's always God's home or God's abode. So the Enuma, so God's breath, and then the Elish. I didn't know what Lish meant, but it kind of sounds like it could mean life. So God's uh God's breath is God's life, but it actually means uh went on high. Is the meaning of hmm. Enuma Elish. Interesting. Wind, Thank you wind, for sharing. Wind or win? Win. W H E N. Win on high. Okay. Win on That's high. That kind of has like uh, most high vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, Enlil is a character from that, I think, that mm-hmm. usually is associated with the wind. He's um, Lord of the Sky. And yep. then Enki was Lord of the Earth, as I understand it. Yep. And it Correct. seems like they were kind of dueling back and forth, right? Yep. And that's kind of where I I have this sort of hypothesis that perhaps the Genesis story is sort of the Enuma Elish, and perhaps both of these entities were the fallen. Uh, and we sort of, and that's why we have this sort of dissonance in the Old Testament. So I think that's something that we can get into yes, more uh, in a later so. episode, perhaps. I would love to. Uh, but yeah, I do that's have a good topic. I do have Genesis 1, 1, ready to roll. Here it goes. And this is the YLT version, Young Literal Translation. Uh, just brief, it's, it's closer to the original Hebrew translation, and they were very specific on like past, present, and future tense is why I use it. Um, a good example is like messenger, angel is often translated from messenger as angel. So I would rather just see that it says messenger. Um, Mm -hmm. They're also specific with the names that they use. Instead of just God or Lord, they'll use the specific like Jehovah and so forth. Yeah, that's good. So just some context there. All right, Genesis 1-1. 
In the beginning of God's preparing the heavens and the earth, the earth hath existed, waste and void, and darkness is on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God fluttering on the face of the waters. So yeah, that's Genesis 1, 1. Mm-hmm. Actually, sorry, that was Genesis 1 and 2. Um, let me read 3, 2, actually. Uh, so, and God saith, let light be, and light is. So that kind of wraps it up. Um, so the first sentence in the beginning of God's preparing the heavens and the earth, the earth hath existed waste and void. So it says it already existed. It was just dark and void, without right? Form. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. It was like without a dead form, planet, right? like Mars or something, right? And then it got terraformed into what it was, which yeah. is interesting because it talks about Enki when he came down to earth, he's the one that terraformed the planet. Right, which I know that's why I think that you know, if you were a fallen angel, you would you would like try to take credit if you were trying to act like a god to everyone, uh, all the creatures, you might act like a god. So, I think that's where there's some confusion because you have these fallen angels that were supposed to, in my opinion, take care of man, right? I think when it when it's talking about like bowing down to man, I think that's like a responsibility thing. I think we were put here in the same manner to to take care of the animals and to help them and to be responsible for keeping this ecosystem in alignment, right? I think that was our purpose. That's kind of where oh, my so whole garden name Eden, comes from. The Garden of Eden. Yeah. Purpose, and I think right? that was the original. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's what happened. I think some of the fallen angels were, they were supposed to take care of things and they decided that they wanted to uh, be selfish and take advantage. And I think we see the humans doing the same thing, right? But there's certain ones that are good and certain that are bad. It also kind of reminds me of the Templars and how they were supposed to uh, take people um, out of out of the Holy Land and, and give them safe passage, but then you hear all these other stories about them. And it doesn't seem like they right. did much of that. It seems like they're doing a lot more digging into other things. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so this Joshua, do you have history any, repeats any uh, thoughts on yeah, or history rhymes, I like to say. It's usually similar but slightly different, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a famous quote I like. Well, yeah, you're right. This is a very loaded, um, and it does kind of imply that it was terraformed, right? That uh, the spirit of God moved over the waters. And uh, I really like that because it also has some, it rhymes a little bit also with the Egyptian theogony. Um, In the Egyptian theogony, it's it's all water. It's called the noon or the new. And uh, nun or not noon is a Hebrew word or letter that refers to the noon fish. Um, and, and the noon is this abyss of water that everything's destined to go back into <laughs> in the end. In the end. Um, so I think it's a really interesting story to compare also to that. Because what you'll see happen here eventually is that the earth gets formed up out of the waters and so the ancient Egyptian pyramids that we see, really what they're symbolic of is that first mound of earth coming up out of the uh, sea. And it was upon that, I think, that the Lamb of God was slain at the foundation of earth because the preferred altar for Yahweh is just a stack of stones, which is really what a pyramid is. So I think that uh, 
it's kind of glossed over here in the Genesis creation story, but, but when that earth is, is created, um, it doesn't say it so much here, but it references it in uh, later parts in the Bible, how the lamb was slain at the foundation of the earth. So that would uh, uh, be the first mound of earth became like the first altar. So before anything else was created, you know, he does this and you're right. That does kind of harken back to the Enuma Elish because um, after Marduk defeats Tiamat, she, he does kill the consort of Tiamat, which was uh, Kingu and uses his balloon carcass to, f- to form the human race. So, um, you know, I've even just because of the similarity in the story, I have kind of speculated and wondered if the lamb that was slain at the foundation of the world could have been Kingu, that, you know, some type of mm. scapegoat relationship there. And maybe that's where our sinful nature comes from is the fact that we were made from a, you know, a flawed <laughs> from the moon, you know, one of these flawed the deities. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, so. I, I would take that a step further, Consider. and I, I think that the moon is a representation of Lucifer and not um, uh, Venus, like people uh, suggest. Uh, they always give it a, a feminine quality. Uh, I mean, definitely, uh, sometimes Lucifer has a feminine quality in other mythologies, uh, Hela from the Norse. Um, but Lou is in... Uh, lucifer right and lu is in lunar also and uh when you look at like the roots of different words i I made a whole list when i first uh started doing podcasting of raw of uh lucifer or just lu lu and um several other ones and i try to find all the words that contained those words in it like ea also ea was inky's original name before it became inky and that's in ocean, that's in heaven, it's in earth, it's in uh, a lot of different names also. So it's really interesting when you look at those kind of root um, names and to go back to look at all the different things it is in. So that's why I think that the moon is Lucifer. And when it talks about Lucifer wanting to have dominion or be higher than God, but it can never be is because it is the moon and the sun is the most high. And so he wants to become the sun, but he can't because he's the moon, but eventually he does become the sun. And that's where you get to switch from when Satan starts to rule the earth instead of the sun um, or Lucifer uh, in that context. And and then and when Lucifer becomes in power, then he has his army of angels that descend on mankind and create the hybrids, the Nephilim, which we'll get into in Genesis six. But that's kind of like how I think of Lucifer is the moon and God the sun. So it kind of rhymes with uh, this the biblical story too of the fall, uh, because he's fallen below the sun. Uh, possibly if the earth tilted uh, could create fall also um, there's several other different things and uh, I I, I uh, look into this one thing called box saga and it talks about how Atlantis is at the top of the planet in the north 
and uh, they're in an ice wall. And then when um, the ice melts, they come down from there and then they come to the other people in the lands and they see them as gods because they have this technology and then they get worshipped as gods. Uh, and then you can see that through like all these different pagan religions and in Rome and Greece and whatnot. It's all how it's all sim similar, similarly the same. And then these cedars kind of go around and reboot civilization after the the flood, depending upon when you believe the flood was. Because and this would have been like younger driest times. I've heard other people say that maybe the flood is two thousand five hundred. BC or 2436, I think, to be more exact. But um, so these are all different things that we can go over when we go through it. But uh, I, I think it's interesting the the human perspective uh, because I think sometimes we get we put start to put things into legends or make them into mythological stories to remember them for that infamy. Uh, but the truth is a a lot more simpler than the myth itself and a lot of time uh critical thinkers pretty much throughout history have been persecuted so you have a lot of symbols and mythology mm -hmm. that were necessary for survival right the the fish you know that we know of the christian fish the jesus fish that was the the reason we have that is because christians in the day of rome would draw in the sand half of it if they thought that somebody else was a christian and they wanted to see if the other one was a christian they would draw the other half uh, and that was kind of their secret symbol and how they moved about safely so we have a lot of codes and things like that that have trickled down and become their own lore right <laughs> in their own um we have like yes. fantasy uh, fan fiction almost of every yeah 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 even dragons so I, I remember uh, we talked about yahweh as being the dragon uh in that right, slow burn yeah. the other day go ahead joshua um just i i, I don't want to maybe go on and on about it but perhaps uh enough to kind of tease yes, <laughs> for yes. next time you mentioned uh uh the fish thing with the so i'm curious and this is just to kind of illustrate the point um so if you will indulge me please nomad so imagine that you were creating this symbol that you and i uh met in a uh a, a dirt street <laughs> and uh you were to do that how would you draw the fish exactly it's like half of the arc i don't know it's kind of hard to show on this like, Can a, I do swoosh, a, whiteboard? like a nike swoosh yeah like uh half of uh vesica pisces oh yeah that's terrible now but would you do that now you do that with your foot but what part of your foot probably my big toe right okay i'm oh, wait, thank no, you. it's not it's not a sorry it's like that and then the other one is like this and i think yeah. it's the other way but <laughs> you get the idea so I speculate on this a little bit because I've done a little bit of research and um, we were talking about the four directions earlier and one of them being a man. Well, that's Aquarius, which is the fixed air. And in the Aquarius constellation, you'll find a star in the heel of Aquarius known as Fomohaut, and that's the royal star of Aquarius. 
And <clears throat> what's also interesting about that is in that same place where you'll find the star Fomalhaut at the heel of Aquarius is also the mouth of a great fish. Um, so we see here we're drawing just one fish, not two fish, right? So it's not Pisces. It's in fact uh, Pisces Australis, which is the southern fish, a singular fish. So and I think it's tied to the heel of Aquarius. So I don't think that they would have drawn the fish with their toe like we like most people probably think. I think they probably actually drew it with the heel as a reference to Aquarius because uh, the word or the name Jacob um, yeah. also means heel and because he was the heel catcher for esau so um there's a few things that point to aquarius also when christ is telling his disciples to meet him for the passover he says you know meet me in the upper room and they're like well how will we know which house you're talking about and he says follow when you see the man bearing a pitcher of water follow him into the house well we can refer to zodiacs as houses and the pitcher bearing man is Aquarius. So there's another reference to Aquarius. And then you got the mystery of the shin, which is uh, how when Christ was crucified on the cross, he didn't have his shin bones broken, which was customary. If you were hanging on the cross uh, prior to the Sabbath, they would come and break your shin bones to speed up the death so that you weren't there when the sabbath started with sundown well christ had been given a quick death which was kosher being the passover lamb he died after three hours and so he didn't have to have his shins broken um so therefore he was able to keep the passover feast well the zodiac sign aquarius is also associated with the shin bones of the human body pisces being the feet so I think it's really interesting. Like I wouldn't have went into all that had you not mentioned the, the Christian thing, but with the foot. Um, yeah. So I, I, I wonder if there are some of these symbolisms and the, these mysterious rites from the past have not kind of been lost over time. And that really they were referring to that because after all, it's the heel that crushes the head of the serpent. And that's the first prophecy in Genesis. The mm -hmm. first prophecy well, and, curse. And also, and in, that uh, was in, in, in uh, Genesis 49 17, when it talks about Dan, it says, Dan shall be a serpent by the way, and adder in the path that biteth the horse, horse heels so that the rider shall fall backwards. Is yeah, that exactly. also like a, a throwback to that? Like, because I thought Dan comes from Jacob, but if Jacob's the heel, why would the snake be biting the hills that's interesting well he Conundrum. he's to judge his he's to judge his people ah, um so but you can also judge, look okay. to the check out okay. the song of moses that's another place you'll find where it talks a little bit more about this particular motif of throwing the rider off the horse yeah. into the sea and that dan would be responsible for doing that essentially uh -huh. when you look at it with this context so going back to the song of moses might give you some added clarity there what were you going to say nomad i was going to say uh christ was crucified on golgotha right which meant uh like land of place, the skull place, place of, of the, the skull. skull which was goliath's head is that right 
yeah, he was struck in the head with a stone. And I believe it was like buried there or something, or that's where it happened. Uh, from oh, what I understand, maybe. that, that I was like, that. that was like, uh, Christ crushing the head essentially. Oh, okay, cool. And I do, um, I've heard also that the Ark of the Covenant was underneath of that spot. So whenever the blood, uh, was coming down from the cross, it was actually sprinkling onto the mercy seat of the Ark, which mm. is what they would do with the, um, the sacrificial animals. Whenever the high priest would go in and sprinkle the mm. blood on the east side of the um mercy seat so pretty pretty wild stuff you're getting into the templar stuff there too a little bit because they were rumored to have that ark and well and that would that have anything to do with the housing of the holy spirit because it seems like christ said he had to leave so that the holy spirit could come it seems like at that moment the holy spirit was like decentralized and like all of a sudden everybody had access to it do you think before that the holy spirit was sort of contained like within um the ark of the covenant or or things like that yeah because whenever they were in the wilderness they they were first building the tabernacle and had the ark and then the spirit would descend down between the two cherubim when it was uh in the tabernacle this is, this is piecing things together so they had to do things <laughs> a certain way um you know with colors certain uh like they couldn't use tools that made noise and right. you know things all sorts of different rules to satisfy that spirit because if they did something the spirit didn't like, well, it very well could go on a killing spree, I guess. And even the priests uh, had to have cable toes tied around their feet because if they went in and the spirit found them wanting, <laughs> it would just zap them dead and they would have to drag them out by their foot. So, I mean, even the chosen of the chosen, you know, could could get zapped dead. So, um yeah, I think I think that there's a lot of interesting aspects there to consider how the spirit would manifest and what Christ's role was. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, we were talking a little bit about Lucifer earlier, and the meaning of the phrase Lucifer is light bearer. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've noticed when I go to the Orthodox service is that there are always two altar boys that uh, come out with candles whenever the gospel is brought out to read. So those two altar boys are by definition Lucifer's. So Lucifer did work at the altar with, you know, the priest. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, point. he was, he was doing labor in the temple He in, in heaven, you know, he was really a servant of God. So um, Lucifer isn't actually his name. I don't think, I think Lucifer is a title yeah. That he, he he was in service to the Lord and the tabernacle of heaven and one of his closest mm -hmm. servants. Uh, I mean, imagine helping to prepare all the stuff for the service, you know, behind closed doors. That makes doors, a lot so of sense. Speak. Yeah. You know, and being, taking advantage of that power, you know, yeah. and, and trying to take it for yourself or something that he totally wanted to sit on the mercy seat himself right yeah and i've and i've heard many people break down the story of lucifer and how it, it's not sort of how the normal depiction of it that we have and it seems to track so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think you just put together some yeah. great pieces there also with the holy spirit being contained versus decentralized this is the um, theory people have given me as to why there's such a big difference between the old testament uh god and the new testament god right it's because 
people didn't have that sort of consciousness, that check in their spirit, um, guiding them, giving them power to help them. And so we had more physical of a life. So you had to do all of these physical ritualistic things to sort of get stuff done. Um, and so I think having that uh, clarity that we did have the Holy Spirit, but it was contained in this sort of um, materialistic way versus the decentralization of the Holy Spirit, that makes a lot of sense and why we have that dissonance, I think. Yeah, you, you, would think have had that, to, you would have had to sacrifice animals or something to get that communion. You know? To understand yeah. like this is because that's a terrible act, right? Like you don't want to see that. You don't want to do that. So like maybe you don't want to sin, so you don't have to do that, right? Exactly. Like that's a very uh -huh. physical thing. Yeah. Um. What I was going to say too is when I was talking about how the moon is Lucifer, uh, if you think about what the light bearer is, the well, what is the moon? It bears the light from the sun. So you have yeah. your light bearer. Yeah, that's true. I've heard um, Balderson say that he thinks the sun is more masculine. Uh, the Bible does say it's feminine, but he thinks that it's like a destructive force. It's colder. It's um, versus the sun, which is like creation and new life, right? So I think I think uh, they're both. He kind of thinks they're switched. Androgynous, and uh, only we have given them male and female because they're not obviously male or female. They're they're both life giving, so they're androgynous. Uh, in that respect, but uh, uh, also uh, one of the homies, Esoteric Eddie, uh, wrote the book The Lucifer Mystery, which uh, he right. goes through history and shows that Lucifer is a completely made up thing uh, that didn't even exist until after the priest uh, named Lucifer uh, existed, and they kind of used that name after after that it came into context, but before that it. It wasn't really anything. So Lucifer actually was a priest of God. Um, uh, he was one of the popes, I, I I believe. Yeah, I don't remember specifically, but I do remember that video, and I thought he did a good job of breaking it all down. So yeah, that could uh, be another be Latin or Greek, down. huh? I think Lucifer may be Latin or Greek. I think if you were looking yeah. for the Hebrew word, it would be Hillel. Ah, there you like, go. Uh, referring to like the first star or something like that. And then hell, which, uh, L would be like Lord of Hell. Lord of Hell, yeah. <laughs> right. Which would be Pluto or Hades. You know, yeah. even the Greeks refer to hell as Hades a lot of times still in the yeah. church. So I always think that's kind of interesting to hear. You know, right. hear them talk about Hades. It's like, whoa, that's didn't expect to hear that in here. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. But see, that's what I mean. And there's even the crossover with the gods and stuff. So it's it's really hard to tell like where where you draw the line in the sand of this is pagan and this is uh, um, Christian or whatnot. Because even like to me, like if you if you worship the saints and stuff, that's that's multiple gods. If you have God and you have Lucifer and you have Jesus. Now you have a, a polytheistic religion. That's why I think it's important to get to the, what do you think is the fruit of the creator of this realm? So if you think there's some sort of intelligent design, or if you think there is a sort of perfect will or a perfect plan, how do we best align with that? I think that's the most important question, right? Not so much whose face are we thinking of, 
but like yeah. at your root when you meditate when you pray when you when you shed all the programming everyone's ever told you that was an important part i think i forgot to mention i really spent a lot of time just trying to forget everything everyone has ever told me and then i sort of started my my search new again and when i cleansed the the board and i rebooted the things that still resonated with me were very much love joy peace patience yes. kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control and for me, these are the fruit of the Spirit in the Bible, the Holy Spirit. These are the characteristics we're told uh, is Christ and the Holy Spirit. And I don't think you need to dwell so much on the person, but I think those characteristics, right. those intents, those fit, those hold up true to my being. And so that's why I say I'm a Christ follower, because that's kind of where I get it from. You know what I mean? And I, I would I would agree 100% with that stuff. And that's why I say I don't really uh, do the God stuff or put the faith there but i i look at the stories and uh or the the word in the book to take out like these good aspects of these moral codes of how to live by um rather than pay attention to all the fluff around it so i mean because i think like i said before you can get these same ideas from other texts as well it doesn't necessarily have to be biblical so uh that but that's my own opinion and then i don't fault anybody for believing what they believe at all uh but i love to talk about it <laughs> so thank you guys uh for coming on the show yeah, this and, has been awesome and joining me and uh, i look forward to doing more of these with you guys and um hopefully we can uh iron down just a day and a time and and try to stick to that schedule and and kind of follow this series along and see where it leads us. Um, I'm sure the people listening are going to have a lot of epiphanies themselves and a lot of uh, introspect and be able to think on their own. And that's kind of the whole purpose of it is, you know, I hear a lot of one-sided stuff. Uh, so I kind of wanted to bring in that other uh, devil's advocate side, so so to speak, you know, um my solo show is called devil's advocate i'm looking to change the name to something you should call it god's advocate <laughs> a little bit more contemporary uh that doesn't really have any kind of connotation to it uh because i'm not really trying to um advocate on behalf of the devil or a devil at all and uh, where is you know i'm just trying to ask the questions that maybe other people might have as well uh that they're not completely sold on uh, these ideas either and because when i was uh when my mom gave made me go to church after my dad passed uh i went to what is it called catechism uh i think that's what it's called and yeah mm -hmm. and when i asked questions they didn't have answers for me so I feel like now that I have a more esoteric knowledge and knowledge of all these different things, uh, like a lot of the answers start to come together for me and in, in using everything rather than one thing. And uh, I, I see that kind of in, in both of you guys also. You both use other things uh, to strengthen what you believe in with your belief in Jesus. So I, I find that awesome and uh i think whatever gets people there uh to have that self-reflection and have that goodness inside of them and make them a better person it, i don't really think it matters where it comes from 
uh, as long as that's what it is doing for you. If it's making you be a shitty person or a bad person or you want to go kill people, obviously you believe in the wrong fucking thing, bro. You know? So uh, thank you for guys for being here. And uh, if you want, you can shout out uh, anything you got going on so other people listening can go check out your work or website or podcast or wherever they might find you on other shows or anything like that uh go ahead nomad yeah well i first of all thank you so much dan this has been amazing thank you joshua all of you guys have gotten so much insight and given me new things to think about um thank you everyone for listening and watching uh i love to talk with anyone commenting there's i love getting new perspectives so please reach out if you have something to continue something that we talked about um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can find me at nomad.art. That's G-N-O-M-A-D dot art. Or also on Patreon slash nomad if you prefer that. Um, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk with you guys. Thank you. Excellent. Joshua. Hey, uh, sorry for the connection problems. It's funny when I hop back on, you were talking about the devil. Because what I was going to say was... <laughs> We must be pissing the devil off tonight because he's kicked me off twice, you know, and then they were talking about him. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so praise God. Yeah. So thanks for the opportunity to get on and, uh, and talk about things. It's always a pleasure to, you know, sharpen iron with uh, folks. And like you said, yeah, uh, yeah um, it, it strengthens my belief. It's stronger. I, I was never one of the types that wanted to prove it all wrong or anything like that. But, it, you know, I, I do want to uh, be able to, you know, I guess in a way justify my faith or explain it or be stalwart. Um, and so that's kind of always been a, a drive of mine to, to kind of be able to stand on the front line, you know, and not be afraid to take those hits and those licks because then I can come back and be like, well, you know, I thought about what you said and I found some scripture <laughs> I'd like to share with you or something like that. So, and, you know, and being patient and, and being out there, you know, I've had a lot of folks come to me and, and uh, privately a lot of times asking for direction in the word or saying, Hey, you know, you really helped me see things from a different perspective. So, you know, we're taught to be fishers of men. And, uh, you know, so this, thank you for the opportunity to fish. I hope we catch a big one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thank you guys for indulging me, even though I, I don't have the same beliefs. Uh, I, I, I feel like uh, this is the type of conversations that are missing a lot in life because uh, people can't have these conversations with each other without getting uh, angry or upset or looking down on a, another person for how they believe. So I uh, appreciate that you guys let me talk to you also and share, we share our ideas together and uh, for everybody listening, uh, hopefully that fulfills something in them to pick up a book or read or gather some more insight for themselves or just continue to listen here or check us out individually uh, where they can too. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you, Nomad. And love y'all. Yeah, all love. That's good. God bless. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, man. 
Raising my vibration Curses ending with my generation Blessings raining, it's a celebration Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man I'm regenerating, raising my vibration Curses ending with my generation Blessings raining, it's a celebration Go and tell the nation, we're all saved by grace And I know I ain't boasting, I've been stuck in my ways, man I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God keep giving me grace I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise I'm giving them thanks, I'm giving them praise I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks I've been stuck in my ways How many days before it's no longer a face God giving me grace I'm giving them praise, giving them thanks Giving them praise, I'm giving them thanks